Thanks for tuning in to Next Level Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at nextlevelchurch.net. I am so happy to be completing our series today, Tanks a lot. I hope that you have grown in your understanding of Thanksgiving connections to the gospel. And as we start out today, I'm going to need your help. We're going to we're going to have a little uh, activity back and forth, so I need you to respond in the chat. If you have somebody watching with you, you can have a conversation with them. So this is how it's going to work. I'm going to show you some images of some items and some people, some different things, and uh, and I want you to uh, express how you feel about this item or this group of people. And so here's your three responses. First response is yay, thumbs up, okay? Your second response, if you kind of don't care, is may, like meh. And your last response is Boo! Okay, so that, that is, it's pretty simple. You can type the words, put emojis, do something in the chat. So remember, it's, uh, it's, it's yay, it's may, or it's boo. Okay, all right, so, so here we go. Um, the item's going to come up on your screen. Here, we just finished up Thanksgiving, and how about some green bean casserole? That's right, green bean casserole. Got the, got the green beans, got the, the can of cream of soup, and then it's got those little onion things. What, what do you think? Is that a yay, a may, or a boo? All right, uh, I've got to be honest. For me, it is a total Boo. That I love green beans. I love those little fried French onion things, but putting the soup together, gag nasty. I don't even know why I get it whenever I go to place. I'm like, maybe my, my taste buds have changed. All right, all right. That's that's number one. All right, here uh, uh, second, second um thing coming up on your screen. This is LeBron James. That's right, LeBron James. Uh is it a is it a yay, a may, or a boo? Drop it in. You know, are you on the side that says uh, LeBron is the goat, or are are you call him LeChoke? Uh, yeah, I, I, we, what side are you at? I've got to tell you this one. I'm kind of may. I mean, I don't think he's the the goat, but I also uh, I don't I don't I don't like love or hate. I feel kind of meh about it. How about you? How about you? All right, all right. Third third one. Here we go. All the Star Wars fans are people that absolutely love Star Wars. How about some Jar Jar Binks? Jar Jar Binks. He's probably one of the most hated characters that was introduced into Star Wars. They they introduced him in the uh, episode, The Phantom Menace, and he was there for comedy relief, but some people absolutely... Now, I've got to tell you, one of my daughters, Jar Jar Binks, one of her favorite characters, but you talk to most people, they hate it. So what is it for you? Is it a, is it a yay? Is it a may? Or is it a boo? All right, drop it in the chat. Drop it in the chat. All right, here we go. We've got, we got two more for you. How about this band? Nickelback. Nickelback. Are you rocking some Nickelback? In this photograph... Uh, you know, people. Uh, you know, people seem to uh, give Nickelback. They talk about how horrible they are. They sell millions of 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 songs and albums and sell out concerts. So somebody has to like them. How about you? Are you uh, are you yay? Are you may? Are you boo? Where are you? All right, last one. Last one. Here we go. Uh, the show, The Office. How do you feel about The Office? Man, uh, this is one that I give it a big yay, a big thumbs up. Absolutely love The Office. My wife, on the other hand, she gives it a meh or probably a 
Boo. All right, so, so what does this have to do with Thanksgiving? What does this have to do with, with Jesus? And I want to, to show you that today. You know, the truth is that I believe that every person falls into one of three categories when it comes to our response to God. So if I were to put up uh, the phrase, God, what kind of response would you have? There would be some, and many of you that are watching right now, that you would say, yay, yes. You, you would think of Jesus. You would think of, um, of him as, as your Savior and your Lord. And so that would be your response to God. But then there's other people. So some of us, we adore him. And we adore him. But then there are other people that, uh, that fall into kind of uh, category and they really ignore him. So some people adore God and some people ignore God. And then we even have some people that abhor God. They, they hate God. They're actively opposed to him. So all of us fall in one of those categories of either yay, meh, or boo when it comes to God. Now, did you know that God actually created all of us to adore him? That he, he created Adam and Eve and he created all people so that we would, we would adore him, that we would be in relationship with him. And what we see in the scripture is, is that humanity makes this progression from adoring God to ignoring God to getting to the point where we actually abhor God. Let, let me show you that in a scripture today from Romans chapter 1 verse 18. This is what it says. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, say the next words with me, suppress the truth. So he says, we know the truth about who God is, that he deserves our adoration and our praise, but we suppress it. We press that truth down continues, verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. How has God done that? Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So, so what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that all of us, we know the truth that there is a creator God that deserves our adoration and praise, but we suppress, we press down that truth. And then verse 21, it says, For although they knew God, they did, notice this, did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts or darken. So you see what happens? We were created to adore God, but we press that down. And then instead of actually worshiping him, we start to ignore God. We suppress that truth, but it gets even worse than that because then we often move to adhoring, being opposed to God. Verse 28, Romans 1, 28 says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them a debased mind to do what they ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and maliceness. They're gossip, slanderers, notice this, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice 
them. You see, this scripture is perfectly describing the world that we live in. Is that not so true that we not only demonstrate our, our opposition to God through our actions, but then we encourage other people to do that. And if we're taking an honest assessment, not just of, of, of the world, but also our own lives, we'll see these, uh, these aspects that have happened in each of us. Because Scripture says we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so that means that we're not living lives of adoration toward the God who deserves it. That instead of giving thanks to God, we hold back that praise. And we, and we put that praise in, in, other, in other places. And so a question I want us to ponder today is this. When it comes to God, how am I responding? When it comes to God, how am I responding? Am I, am I someone that is adoring God? Am I someone who is ignoring God? Or am I someone who is abhorring God? Where are you in, in that category? And, and what we're going to do is we're going to explore the scriptures today, and we're going to see what our proper response to God is. Should be Now, it shouldn't come as a surprise of which of these three categories is the proper response to God, even in light of the scriptures we've already read. But we're going to see today how the psalmist in Psalm 100 shows us about how we should properly respond to God. And so, uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to read these scriptures together. And uh, as, the, as the scriptures come on, onto your screen, I, we're actually going to read the whole Psalm. It's only five verses, and I, I'm going to read everything that is uh, not bolded. And when it gets to the bold parts, wherever you're watching from, I want you to read that part out loud, a little bit of participation. All right, so here we go, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. This is on you. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His thanks, gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. Here you go. Finish it up. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Would you join me and let's just pray together for these moments we have. Uh, Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this scripture. I pray that right now as we listen, that you will do heart work on us. Help us to evaluate if we are truly living out as people of adoration and praise to you. Or, or have we just uh, become meh in our response to you? Or God, are there some of us as we're watching, we have been actively opposed to you. That that even if we maybe didn't want to admit it, that we have have. Have, have not loved you or pursued you, and we've actually had uh, hate and dislike in our heart towards you. God, will you just change us? Will you awaken in us this desire to see you for who you truly are? Help us not to suppress the truth, but instead that the truth will set us free. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this psalm is the only one in the whole book of Psalms that is specifically said to be a psalm for giving thanks. Like the whole purpose of this song, of this psalm, was uh, for, for the congregation of the Israelites to come together and use it to praise God. Now, that doesn't mean it's the only psalm that talks about thanking God, because um, that is all through the scriptures. But this psalm is explicit purpose was to lead people to live lives of thanksgiving and response to God. And so that's why we're going to look at it today. And, and, and this psalm, what I love about it, is it has this beautiful structure to it. 
And, and, and here's what I mean. So uh, what we're going to see is that there's this back and forth within this psalm. Uh, the psalmist first begins by, by talking about what actions. He gives us the what. He gives us the what. What action should flow from our hearts in response to God? And then he gives us the, the why. Uh, so he gives us the what. And then he gives us the why. What should I be doing in response to God? And why should I be doing that? And what we're going to see is that he gives us seven imperatives, seven actions that we should take. And then he gives us uh, some reasons. He answers the why. Why should we respond like that? And so what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through that pattern. Okay? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here are the action one is he says, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Let's read the scripture again, verses one and two. Notice this. I want you, I've, I've highlighted the, the, the action words in here. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Now, I want to say something about that very first phrase. I am so glad that it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Because the, the thing I love about that is God is just after noise. He is not after you having the best voice in the world. Or, and you know, I think that's, that's one of our biggest objections. A lot of us, when we, we gather for worship, or, or maybe we're listening to a song, we just keep it in our, in our, in our heads because we say things like, ah, oh, my voice isn't good. I don't have a good singing voice. Uh, or man, people would cry if they heard my voice. But you know what? This, this first verse already kills that objection. Because God is not after perfect voices. He is after you using the voice that he gave you. And, and, if, your and if your voice is not good for singing, he hooks you up. He says, make a noise. Like, can you make a noise? It's the word shout. It's the word make a cry. I mean, it's basically like, can you whoop for Jesus? Can you be like, woo? Like, can you do something like that in light of who he is? That's the first action. And so, uh, encouragement, uh, right here, uh, practical application right now. There's some of you that when, when it is time to, to sing, or maybe you gather corporately, you sit there like this, you don't open your mouth, you don't say anything. No, that is being disobedient to who God is. That is not uh, adoring Him. That at best is being like, meh, to who God is. And so he begins by just coming right out of the gate saying, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now notice the, the, the last three words of that verse. It says, all the earth. Now I love this because the psalmist recognizes something. Now he's talking to, to God's people, the Israelites at this time, and he says, let's make a joyful noise. But he is actually calling for all of the earth to come and worship God because the psalmist knows something. He knows that not everyone is in category one of adoration. He knows that there are plenty of people that are meh in their relationship with God. And there are even people that are actively opposed to God. And, and so did you know that Part of, of the beauty of what happens when we worship is we not only edify, that means to build up one another, but it also serves as evangelism to those that are far from God. So, so, so get this, so get this. Let's, let's imagine that we're gathering together and we start worshiping God. We start singing praises about his character and what he's done. And let's say there are people in those other categories that have not, they're not really responding to God. If they see us worshiping and adoring him, not caring what anybody thinks, and praising him, that can serve as evangelism for them to be like, why are they doing this? 
What makes this, this God, what makes this one they're singing to so great? So do you know you actually have an evangelistic purpose of worship? So I, I, I absolutely love this quote from John Piper in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Listen to what he says. Missions exist because worship doesn't. I'll just stop right there. His point is this, the reason that we go out into the world and we share the good news, uh, the reason that we tell people about the redemption of Jesus is because people are not yet worshipers. So we go out on that mission so that people that are not yet worshiping and adoring God will begin to. Missions exist because worship doesn't. He continues, worship is ultimate, not missions, because God's ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It's a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. I love that. Um, that is our calling and our mission. That's the reason uh, Peter in 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So one reason that we praise God is so that the nation, so that the people will, will come and they will see how great our God is. Is. Now notice the next thing that, uh, that uh, the psalmist says. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. Now some of your translations, if you're reading, might actually say, worship the Lord with gladness. This is an interesting thing in the scripture. The word for serve and the word for worship, it's often an interchangeable, an interchangeable thing. You see, our, our worship to God is not just simply our verbal proclamation, but it's also the things we, we do with our, our lives. And, and we see this, the Apostle Paul like captures this idea in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So he's just in, in chapters 1 through 11 been, been talking about how great God is and what he's done. And now notice what he says. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Some translations say your spiritual worship. Service. And so this is a beautiful thing. This psalm is saying, in light of who God is, we, we, we proclaim, we, we, we make joyful noise, and then we, we serve. We use our gifts and our time and our talents in order to serve in Jesus' name. And those are acts of worship. And that is, is one of the ways that we are responding to Him. And then He finishes, says, and then we, we sing. Man, isn't that a beautiful thing? So the first thing, the actions we're called to is we, we are called to make this joyful noise. We're called to, to serve, and then we're called to come and to sing in His presence. And so now the psalmist moves to what how, the why. He's going to answer the why, and here's the foundation. Here's what he says. Here's why, is we want to know the Lord as creator and caregiver. We want to know the Lord as creator and caregiver. That's the foundation for why we praise. That's the foundation for why we, we serve and worship. Psalm 100 verse 3, he says, Know that the Lord, He is God. You see, the psalmist is connected to knowledge. It says, It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So, if we actually are going to be the people that overflow with praise, then, then the foundation of that has to be our knowledge of God. What do we actually know about God? Now, I want you to, I want you to write this down. Our worship of God will grow in proportion to our knowledge of God. 
Our worship of God will grow in proportion to our knowledge of God. So that means if we only know a little about God, then our worship's going to be little. If we are the people, we're suppressing the truth, then we're not going to worship God. But as we allow that truth of God, as we search the scriptures, as we, as we look at the creation, as we look at who he is, as our knowledge of God rises, so should our praise, so should our, our worship. And I absolutely love this. Romans 12, 2. You know, we just read Romans 12, 1, where he says that we should uh, do our spiritual worship through uh, giving over our lives. Now, notice what he says in verse 2. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind and by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So this is basically what, um, what, what Paul, what the psalmists are saying is the more we know God, that's going to be the foundation and the fuel for our worship. So if we, if we see that in our lives our worship is lacking, it may be because we are not actually pursuing to know God deeper. Now, the psalmist gives us two different ways that we should uh, know God. The first thing he says is that we see that He is our creator. It says, He is He who made us. Now, do you, do you recognize that? Okay, I'm not, I don't want to get into the, the whole creation evolution debate, but here, here's what I'm going to say. The scripture, it absolutely proclaims that none of us are here by chance. So no matter what you believe about all that, the one thing that you have to see is that humanity did not get here by chance, that, that God has, has personally created us, that, we, that he is the reason that we are here. That was just as true for Adam and Eve, and it's just as true for you and me. That means that we owe God our very existence. But as we saw at the beginning, as we were reading those scriptures, what happens is even though we should know God is our creator, even though we should look around creation and just see that that it didn't get here by chance, but it was guided and ordered by the powerful, all-knowing, incredible creator of God, we often suppress that truth. He said, no, 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 let that rise up. Part of our fuel for worship is saying, God, you made me. You created me. You made me just as I am. And the second thing that he shows us, the other foundation of our knowledge, is that God is our not only our creator, but also our caregiver. This is what he says. He says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, the truth is, is God is the creator of everyone. But this is now pointing to how God is the covenant-keeping God. That, that anyone that comes under, under his care, anybody that submits to him as Lord, that now we receive his care as the good shepherd. Now, there's something that we've been noticing in these scriptures throughout, and it's this, that, the, that you'll, you'll notice that the word, the Lord. And, and if you look back in that, it, we, it, we'll see it all through this psalm. You'll see the Lord, and Lord is in all capitals, okay? Let me tell you what your Bible translators are trying to do. Anytime you see the word Lord in all capitals, what they're telling you is that that is the covenant name of God. It's the word Yahweh. Have you ever heard that word before? If you haven't, it goes all the way back to when God chooses to rescue people out of slavery, out of Egypt. And, and, and Moses is like, hey, whenever I go to him, what should I tell him your, your name is? This is at Exodus 3.14. He says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That's the word Yahweh. 
He, he was like, I, I, when you go to these people, you tell them Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, the one who's going to be their God is the one that sent them. Now, I want to I wanna fast forward just for a moment up to Jesus because we often wonder, what was it that led Jesus uh, for people to kill him? Didn't they like his miracles? Yep. Didn't they like him you know, feeding thousands of people? Didn't they like him healing people? Didn't they like all that? Yes. So why did they choose to crucify Jesus? It's because of what Jesus was claiming. Get this, John 8, 58 and 59. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Did you catch it? So Jesus is actually proclaiming to be the covenant-keeping God. He's proclaiming to be the same God as, as, as what our psalm is talking about. And then it says right after that, so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. See, Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is the covenant-keeping God. So, so we can take this psalm and we see that it was ultimately pointing us to Jesus. Who is the great I am? You know, Jesus even said this. I love this, John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So we can see that, so that our God is not just our creator, but he is also our covenant-keeping caregiver. That Jesus Christ is the one that came as the good shepherd, that he laid down his life for us who are these wandering sheep that were going away from him. Well, now in these last few moments, I want to show you the second action. This is related to the first. The second action is this, give thanks in his presence. Give thanks in his presence. Psalm 100 verse 4 says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. I, I highlight those three words. Enter his, uh, his gates and his courts, give thanks and bless his name. Here, here's what I want you to see when it says to enter his, his uh, gates and his courts. That is an invitation. You see, for the Israelites that were hearing this first psalm, it was an invitation to first enter in through the gates of Jerusalem, enter into God's holy city. And then after they have had made the choice to enter into the gates, they now made the choice to enter into his courts. That was entering into the temple courts, and that's where God made his presence most known to others. In the same way, do you know God is inviting you and me to come into his presence? And here's the good news. We don't have to go to a temple far off. Instead, God makes his presence known through the Holy Spirit. That, that's the reason we gather together as God's people. God chooses to manifest his presence because his people are all gathered together. And so I just want you to see that God is inviting you, that maybe you're a person that hasn't been adoring him. Maybe you're a person that's been like, meh. Or maybe you're a person that's been absolutely opposed to him. God is sending you an invitation. He says, come into my presence. And he's given us this invitation to do what? To give thanks and to bless his name. When we find ourselves in the presence of God, we want to give thanks. We want to speak blessings. We want to speak praise. We want to adore. We want to lift his name high. Now, why does he tell us to do this? Why does he give us this invitation? Brings us to our, our last verse and our last foundational point. We want to know the Lord and know his goodness, his love, and his faithfulness. Psalm 100 verse 5 says this, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Now, you might not have picked up on this. So in the first verses, the first foundation, it was founded on what God has done. 
He has created us. He has redeemed us. He is caring for us. He is our covenant keeper God. But now in this second foundation, it's not about what God has done, but it's about who God is. It's about his character. And so in this psalm, we see that the reasons that the foundations for why we praise God is is for what he has done and who he is. And what does the psalmist tell us about who God is? It says that he is good. He has steadfast love and he is faithful. Man, the character of God. There is no one else in this whole world that can say to be totally good and totally loving, the unfailing love, totally faithful in any and every circumstance. That's the reason another psalmist in Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's this invitation to say, come and see. Come into, the God, into His presence. Come and see the greatness of God. And so I want to leave you with this question. In light of what God has done and who God is, will you choose to respond in ways that honor Him? Let me say that again. In light of what God has done and who God is, will you choose to respond in ways that honor Him? Will you make a joyful noise? Will you stop being so worried about what everybody else is thinking? Will you actually open up your mouth and say, God, you deserve my praise. I don't care if my voice is horrible or if I didn't brush my teeth and I'm around people. It doesn't matter. I'm going to praise you. Will you serve? Will you say, I'm going to get, instead of coming and saying, God, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? Say, God, what can I do to build up your church, to proclaim amongst the nations your greatness? Will you sing? Will you enter His presence? Will you give thanks and bless His name? Wouldn't it be a tragedy if we spent our lives thanking everybody else, but we forgot to thank the very one who created us and redeemed us? Church, we just need to open up our mouths with praise and live out our lives and say, Jesus, you deserve it all. So how are you going to respond? The invitation is before you. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for your your word today that has guided our hearts and minds, our strength about who you are and what you have done. I pray that we will respond in light of what you have done and who you are, that we will respond with praise and thanksgiving and worship and coming into your presence and help the world to see that you are good and worthy of praise. God, we pray that the whole earth, we look forward to the day when everyone sings your praises. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. If you would like to hear more, please visit our website at nextlevelchurch.net. You can also follow us on social media at nextlevel757. Join us next time.